Hello, and welcome to the Asta La Visa Baby podcast, a deep dive into U.S. immigration law and its relationship to fictitious characters in television and film. My name is Shai Dayan. I am an immigration attorney with Gibney, Anthony, and Flaherty, and I'm based in Los Angeles, California. And joining me today, as he does for every episode, he's also an immigration attorney. He's also with Gibney, Anthony, and Flaherty, but he's based in New York, and he's the defending national bandstand dance competition champion. <laughs> it's Mr. Roderick Potts. Oh, Shai, I don't want my name associated anywhere near the host of that show. I heard you, <laughs> I heard you can do the hand jive better than anybody. Yeah, right. Rod, did you hear about the Asta La Visa Baby podcast sponsoring a movie screening in Beverly Hills a few weeks ago? I sure did. I was very much aware of it. I understand. And I saw the footage that you gave a fantastic speech. Yeah, thank you. Uh, just just to catch everybody up, a few weeks ago, Gibney and the Asta La Visa Baby podcast sponsored the Beverly Hills screening of a Finnish movie called The Wait. I want to thank the uh, Finnish American Chamber of Commerce for organizing the event. Rod would have been there himself, but there were conflicting uh, scheduling issues. Unfortunately, it was too difficult for me to get to the West Coast on that particular evening. I still have yet to see the film. I'd like to see it. I'm interested. Well, again, it's called The Wait, and there are no plans for it to come out in the U.S., but hopefully you'll get a chance to see it. And then there was a party at the Consul General's house in Bel Air. You sent me some uh, photos from it. Yes. It looked looked like a a great time. I was mixing it up with the who's who of the Finnish film industry. I was I was having some not even FOMO, actually actual missing out next time. Yeah. Next time. Next time. Next time. Well, here we are for our highly anticipated pre-Thanksgiving episode. Just to take care of the housekeeping. Just remember, if you haven't done so already, you should subscribe to this podcast right away. We're on all the major platforms. Rod, what are those platforms? The major ones, please. The major ones. Well, we're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Amazon, TuneIn, and et cetera. And after you hear this episode and you want to write to us, you can do that. You can actually do that. Rod, how can they do that? You can write to us at Asta La Visa, H-A-S-T-A-L-A-V-I-S-A at Gibney, G-I-B-N-E-Y dot com. Thank you, Rod. And just to remind everybody out there, every episode, the Asta La Visa Baby podcast focuses on a particular movie or television show that features a foreign national character living in the U.S. What we do is we do a deep dive into the movie or the television show, focusing on the specific foreign character. We're going to use our immigration detective skills to figure out what the character's U.S. visa status may have been what problems or issues the character may have faced living in the U.S., and we're going to talk about a hypothetical consultation if the character came to us to ask for advice. Now, this is extremely important in this episode because we're talking about a movie that took place in the 50s, but we always imagine that all the characters are living in a 2022 U.S. immigration world, unless we tell you otherwise, but today we're telling you it's 2022 or bust. Sure. So, Rod... Today, we're going to be focusing on, um, well, why don't you tell us what we're focusing on? Go for it. Sure. Well, we are talking about the movie Grease. Grease. Yeah, this is a a much beloved film and a film I had never seen. Incredible. My perspective is somewhat different from apparently everyone else on the planet. Wow. Here we go. 
So Grease is a musical that released in 1978, and it takes place in the 1950s, as you mentioned. It stars John Travolta as Danny and Olivia Newton-John as Sandy. Danny and Sandy have a beach summer fling just prior to their senior high school year. Sandy is Australian. She's supposed to return back to Australia at the end of the summer, and she doesn't expect to see Danny again after she leaves. I'm going back to Australia. I might never see you again. Don't, don't talk that way, Sandy. But it's true. I've just had the best summer of my life, and now I have to go away. It isn't fair. At the start of the school year, Danny resumes his life as a greaser and the leader of a gang called the T-Birds at Rydell High School. Little does he know that Sandy has remained in the U.S. and has also enrolled at Rydell. She becomes friends with a group of girls at school who call themselves the Pink Ladies. At a pep rally, Danny and Sandy meet each other and they're surprised that they're both attending the same school. Caught between his feelings and his bad boy reputation, Danny disrespects Sandy in front of the gang, causing Sandy to wish that she had never met him. <laughs> well, that's cool, baby. I mean, you know how it is, rocking and rolling and whatnot. Danny? <laughs> that's my name. Don't wear it out. What's the matter with you? <laughs> What's the matter with me, baby? What's the matter with you? <laughs> what happened to the Danny Zuko I met at the beach? Well, I do not know. I mean, maybe, uh... Maybe there's two of us, right? Why, why, why don't you take out a missing persons ad or, or, or try the yellow pages? I don't know. You're a fake and a phony, and I wish I'd never laid eyes on you. Whoa. Danny eventually wins Sandy's affection back, although his relationship with Sandy goes through ups and downs during the course of the film. At a school dance, which was broadcast on a live, as a live television show called National Bandstand, Danny and Sandy were poised to win the dance competition. However, Danny and Sandy are sabotaged by a student from another school named Chacha, who apparently used to be in a relationship with Danny. Danny ends up winning the competition with Chacha as his partner, further angering Sandy. Sandy's last straw with Danny comes at a drive-in movie theater when Danny gets a bit too forward and aggressive with her. Sandy! Oh, Sandy. Danny, what are you doing? Oh, Sandy, don't worry about it. No place watching. Danny, get off me! Sandy, what's the matter with you? I thought I meant something to you. To you? You think I'm going to stay here with you in this, this sin wagon? You can take this piece of tin? Sandy, you just can't walk out of a drive-in! After Danny wins a dangerous drag race against the leader of the rival high school gang known as the Scorpions, Sandy doesn't think she can get back together with Danny because she doesn't fit in with his greaser lifestyle. At the end of the school year graduation carnival, Danny attends dressed as a preppy jock in a letterman sweater to try and impress Sandy and prove that he's changed. Sandy shows up outdoing Danny by far, dressed as a greaser girl smoking a cigarette, which delights him. The movie ends with Danny and Sandy driving off into the sky, flying off in the gang's convertible car known as Grease Lightning. Both wow. of them to live the rest of their life as a, a greaser couple of uh, course, in the sky. Of course, they would live the rest of their lives as a <laughs> greaser couple. Rod, my question for you is, how did you get to this point in life without ever seeing the movie until a few nights ago? How did that happen? You know, I have been asked this question aggressively by several people aggressively. Uh, recently. And you know, I just don't know. I just never came across it. The weird thing is watching the movie, I knew every single one of the songs, not necessarily all word for word, but I was very familiar with the songs. I was 
vaguely familiar with the story. So it was a very bizarre experience to finally see the film. I wasn't actively avoiding the movie. I just never got a chance to see it. I don't know well, why. Well, as this is a big week for you, as you've seen Greece for the first time, I'm going to let you in on some of the most interesting facts that I have found about this movie. And I have some I'm, ex- I'm excited. You. Lay them on me. Okay. So the opening beach scene was shot in Malibu, California. The high school scenes were shot at Venice High School and Huntington Park High School, both in Los Angeles County. So even though they don't really say where they are in the movie, I think it's safe to say that this is a Los Angeles uh, group of kids. Mm-hmm. Upon its release, Grease became the highest grossing musical ever, eclipsing the record held at the time by The Sound of Music. Sound of Music. Paramount Pictures, get this, originally wanted Henry Winkler, who played the Fonz on the television show Happy Days, to play the part of Danny. Can you wow, imagine that? That is interesting. I had no idea. Yeah, leather jackets. I don't know if Henry Winkler could dance and sing like John Travolta, but who yeah, knows? I want, yeah, I mean, Travolta is... Seemingly like tailor-made for that role. Yeah. It would be be interesting to see him try. (laughs) Yeah. The character of Sandy was not supposed to be Australian, but Olivia Newton-John, she couldn't do an American accent. So the part was rewritten so that she could be Australian. Wow. Look at that. Worked out well for us all these years later. Works out great for us. Sure. Yeah. The song Grease Lightning. It was supposed to be performed by the character known as Kanicki, but John Travolta, he wanted the song for himself. So in the movie, it was performed by Danny instead of Kanicki. Look at that. Wow. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's probably one of the like one of the more iconic songs from the film, too. Right. I mean, it's I one think of the, Summer Lovin' and, I, and I, Bruce I, Lightning. I think, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like Summer Lovin', You're the One That I Want and Grease yeah. Lightning are probably the three that I hear most frequently. But like that's, when you, you know. Yeah. When you're in the car listening to show tunes radio station, those are the three songs that come I on always get for you the most. Yeah. 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 Always. And here's a good one. A television series prequel to Greece called Greece Rise of the Pink Ladies is scheduled to premiere on Paramount Plus. Production actually began in January 2022. So we're all waiting for Rise of the Pink Ladies. Yeah, this is a and this is so this is a timely episode. You heard it here first. Yeah, it's coming. Everyone, yeah. I it's can't coming. wait for it to come out. I'm I'm curious. Big fan, big fan of the pink ladies. So the character that we're going to be focusing on for this episode is Sandy. So, Rod, could you tell us everything we need to know about Sandy? Sure. So, Sandy Olsen is played by Australian actress Olivia Newton-John. And the opening beach scenes, at the opening beach scene, Sandy tells Danny that she has to return to Australia at the end of the summer. When she shows up as a student at Rydell, a few details about the change in circumstances are revealed. All she says is, we had a change of plan, which probably suggests that that her family ended up staying in the U.S. past the summer. Surprise for you. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Sandy! Danny? What are you, what are you doing here? I, I, I thought you were going back to Australia. We had a change of plans. Sandy's depicted as very innocent, kind, sweet. Unlike the rest of the pink ladies, she was not experienced with alcohol or cigarettes. Hey, you want one, Sandy? I don't think so. That's smart. You don't? Yeah. Go ahead. Try it. It won't kill you. Give her a hip array. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot to tell you, you shouldn't inhale unless you're used to it. 
And in contrast, further contrast to the pink ladies, for the most of the film, she wears very feminine, very sort of like, you know, traditionally innocent clothing, such as like a skirt and sweater sets that are always in pastel colors. She spends most of the movie taking Danny back after Danny repeatedly makes mistakes in their relationship and even humiliates her. By the end of the movie, Sandy believes that she has to play the part of the bad girl in order to truly win Danny's affection. So she sheds the good girl image for that of a female greaser. Sandy! Tell me about it, Stuck. Well, Sandy is uh, an interesting character, very nice character, very sweet character. But there's one thing about Sandy that we don't find out about in the movie, and that's what her visa status was. That's right. They, so, they, they overlooked that. They overlooked that. So that's why we're here. We're here <clears throat> to tell everybody, educate everybody what the most important parts of movies with foreign characters are. And that's what the visa status of these characters were. So, Rod, we know that Sandy's Australian. How do we know? Well, we're experts with accents, so that's obviously an Australian accent. Yeah. And she also even says that she's Australian. So, you know, <laughs> that, that always helps when they tell that's us what they are. Yeah. yeah. She says that she has to return to Australia after the summer, but Sandy stays in the U.S. and she enrolls at Rydell High School. So that means that she had to have some sort of a visa status. So, Rod... What kind of a visa status could somebody in Sandy's situation, a high school senior, possibly have had? The easy answer is that Sandy could have had a student exchange visa, but the movie suggests that Sandy and her family all stay in the U.S. This makes it sound like one of her parents, if not both of them, had jobs in the U.S. and had their own work visas. So assuming that was the case, Sandy could have been eligible for a dependent visa, which would have allowed her to stay in the U.S. and even go to school while her parents themselves worked pursuant to their own visa sponsorship. Very, very good point. So in past episodes, we've kind of beat around the bush about this. When somebody has a work visa in the United States, their spouses and their children, also known as their dependents, they can be eligible for dependent visas, which would allow them to accompany the main visa holder to the United States, live with them, and, and keep them company. So, for instance, when an adult is working in the U.S. pursuant to a visa, the children, they have to be under the age of 21, but the children are eligible for dependent visas. So Sandy was 17. She's under 21. Could she have had a dependent visa? Since Sandy, if even if Olivia was not at the time that the movie was made, but since Sandy <laughs> is under 21 and it seems like one of her parents or both of her parents had some sort of work visa in the United States, she probably would have qualified for a dependent visa. So are there dependent visas for every type of visa category? Because we've discussed a lot of visas on, on this podcast. So are there dependent visas for all visa types? How does it work? So pretty much that's how it works. For instance, the dependents of H-1B visa holders can get H-4 dependent visas. The, the dependents of L-1 visa holders can get L-2 dependent visas. The dependents of O-1 visa holders can get O-3 dependent visas. And basically there is a corresponding dependent visa for all primary visa holders so that they can have their spouse and children accompany them as long as the children are under 21. That's very nice. That's very nice because, you know, you want to bring your family. With, most people would want to bring their family with them. I'm sure there are those who don't, but most people would. So the United States says, yeah, bring your family. So so Sandy could have had a dependent visa based upon the primary visa status of one of her parents. But 
with the limited information that we have about Sandy's parents, can we even make an educated guess regarding the specific dependent visa that she even had? How could we even know? Well, it's important to note that Sandy's Australian. And while this visa category didn't actually exist in the 1950s, we always analyze the characters as they're living in the present day, as we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. So the obvious category for one or both of her parents would have been the E3 specialty occupation visa for Australians, meaning that Sandy would have qualified for an E3D visa. Right. That's that's a good point. So we're not going to get into the E3 visa because we've already done an episode about the E3 visa. I would encourage everybody to check out, revisit last year's episode about Armand from the White Lotus. The name of that episode was We Wanted the Pineapple Sweet. So if you want to learn a little bit more about the E3 primary visa, cool. But let's talk a little bit about the E3 dependent visa. So Rod, can you give us the basics about this E3 dependent visa? Sure. The E3 employees' dependents, including a spouse and unmarried children under 21 years of age, are eligible for E3D visas. The dependents can apply directly at a U.S. embassy or consulate in a foreign country. If the family members currently reside in the U.S. in another visa classification, they can obtain E3D status by filing an application while within the United States. So looking into Sandy's situation... Let's say after Sandy's fling with Danny, that summer romance where they had a blast, let's say she might have departed the U.S. She might have appeared for an E3D visa appointment at a U.S. embassy or consulate, and then she might have come back to the U.S. Or maybe her and her parents filed petitions and applications to change their status to E3 and E3D from right here within the U.S. They could Um, have. Could have done that. And as far as Sandy is concerned, if she was in E3D status, what can an E3D visa holder actually do in the U.S.? What are they permitted to do? So E3D children can go to school. E3D spouses are automatically work authorized when they arrive in the U.S. And there's a recent development, actually. E3D spouses used to have to apply for work authorization cards in order to work. But just within this past year, the rule has changed so that they can automatically be eligible for work authorization just by arriving in the United States in E3D status. It's what we call being authorized incident to status. It's a very nice development for the spouses of E3 visa holders. much easier. Yeah. Yeah. So the spouses of E3 visa holders can work. What about the children? Could they uh, work too, these children? No, children of E3 workers who are in E3D status may not be legally employed in the U.S. They need their own U.S. work authorization independent of their parents. So I think we can conclude that Sandy probably had a dependent visa because at least one of her parents had a work visa in the U.S. She could have had many different kinds of dependent visas, but because the family's Australian, we're going to take a leap of faith here and we're going to assume that one of the parents had an E3 visa, meaning that Sandy had an E3D visa. But I mean, even if her, one of her parents had a different visa, such as an H1B or an L1, she could have very well had the dependent visa for those visa categories as well. There's little small differences between the different types of dependent visas, but there are. in general, there's always a dependent visa classification for the primary visa holder. There is. Yep. And in a future episode, maybe we'll touch on some of those other uh, those other dependent visas. Right. So there we have it, Rod. The first time you watched Greece, you got to actually watch it specifically to sing, dance, and think about immigration. 
Yeah, so, and there's there's guy. nothing better. Yeah, there's nothing better than seeing a movie for the first time through the eyes of an immigration practitioner. Nothing better. Nothing better. We encourage everybody to go to law school just so they can do that. <laughs> so musicals, Rod. You've seen some musicals in your time. I have. Yeah? I like musicals. You I like do. them. Like them. I mm -hmm. like to call them song plays. Sure. Song plays. But let's song talk. Shows. Let's talk yeah. about musicals, Rod. Because as somebody who likes a musical here and there. I'm sure you have a uh, all-time favorite musical, perhaps, that you'd like to share with the audience. Ah, well, so, you know, when you mentioned that, that we would talk about, you know, we had to pick one. That was the rule for this for this episode. One all-time favorite musical. One. And I thought I thought to myself, like, I started to mm. rack my brain. I was like, man, is it a play that was turned into a movie? Right. Because it was movie musicals, right? So, mm. like, Grease was originally a play turned it you know it was originally a musical yes. a theatrical it was too much to do it's too much to think about too much going on so i was like i'm just going to do straight film musicals and wow my okay. i have two young girls they love movies like coco and encanto and yeah. frozen obviously sure i'm gonna go with one of my all-time favorite musicals one of my all-time favorite movies the muppets take manhattan wow the muppets take manhattan coming out of left field that's a good one yeah yeah, give 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 us give us a short you know spiel about about why you love this movie, what your relationship to this movie is. I loved the Muppet, all the Muppet movies when I was a kid. The Muppets Take Manhattan was to me just like you know, as a little kid growing up in suburban Massachusetts, you know, yeah. New York City. We we came to visit New York City a bunch of times as a kid. That's I fun. always loved New York. I always wanted to live here. So I would watch this movie and I'm just, it was just, you know, they they ate at greasy diners. They just yeah. they walked around the city. They lived in the bus station. It was just the, you know, the music in the movie is so good. The story is so cool. They make a Broadway show. That's fun. It's a fun it's a, movie. A fantastic how, how could, movie. How could you it. not root for Kermit in New yeah. York? Come on. Yeah. And he, I like and that. I like that. It's great fun. And it's always been one of my favorites. Nice, nice. My choice, I was thinking long and hard about this, and I'm going to go with a movie from 1939 called The Wizard of Oz. Ooh, very good. Yes, very good. yes. So The Wizard of Oz, I mean, what else is there to say? This is just a fantasy movie about mm -hmm. a dream where Dorothy, played by Judy Garland, ends up in a magical world where she has to get to the wizard so she can go back home to Kansas and she meets the mm -hmm. scarecrow and, and the lion and the tin man. There's someone Classic. else that she meets. She meets all kinds of people. The witch, there's witches, there's singing, yeah, there's meets, dancing, there's a yellow yeah. brick road. <laughs> I mean, it's it's yeah. uh, part of it's Everything. in black and white, part of it's in color. Sure. Yeah, it's a great movie. It's a classic. I watch it with my kids. Yeah, I'm uh, sure they like it. Just just over this, just this past summer, we just rewatched it together. Yeah, it's a, I loved that movie as a kid as well. Yeah. That's a two, great choice. Two good choices. The Muppets mm -hmm. Take Manhattan and The Wizard of Oz. And if anyone out there has some favorite musicals that they'd like to share with us, send us an email. We would love that. Yeah, please do. Okay, now to get serious, everybody. Okay, we're going to get a little serious. We're going to get in gear to our, uh, you know, immigration brains and talk about a consultation <laughs> with Sandy. Okay, let me set this scene for you. Okay, Sandy's in Southern California. She heard about me and she said, I'm going to go visit Shai. <laughs> I heard he's the, the immigration lawyer to talk to. I said, I am, but. Roderick is going to have to be here too. So you come into mm -hmm. Los Angeles. We meet with Sandy. She wants to know, Shai, Rod, what are my visa options once I graduate from Rydell High School? What in the world can I do? How can I stay in the United States? So, Rod, I think Sandy has actually a few good options, wouldn't you say? As, yeah, as, she's she's yeah. she's in good shape immigration yeah. wise. So, Rod, 
let's say Sandy is an E3 dependent status or a dependent status and she wants to go to college. Can she mm-hmm. do that in E3D status, dependent status? What would she have to do? What would you tell Sandy? So she could go to college as an E3D. That certainly is possible. But as we mentioned before, right, E3D only applies if you're under the age of 21. So she would at when she got to 21, which she probably would while in school, right, she would no longer be eligible for the E3D visa. We call that aging out. So what we generally recommend, or what I generally recommend, I imagine you probably recommend something similar, is that anyone who's going to anyone who's in a dependent status who is going to school should probably just go ahead and change status to F1. Uh, yeah. the student status. I always take the rule that it's always better to maintain your own independent status than be dependent upon someone else's. So for example, if she went to college as an E3D and let's say her parents decided to go back to Australia, but she wanted to finish school, right? she wouldn't be able to say as an E3D, she'd have to change to F1 eventually anyway. And the F1 status is designed for school that allows for other certain things like, uh, you know, on-campus employment, for example, a couple of other things like that. So I would recommend she could start in E3, E3 status, certainly, but a switch to F1 would probably be wise. Yeah, I agree with you. That's exactly what I would tell Sandy. You can go to college uh, as an E3D, but let's switch you to F1. It'll make Mm -hmm. things easier for you, give you more options. And then Sandy says, okay, so I, I'm going to go to college four years, going to live a, my, my four years in college. But then after college, I, I want to stay in the United States. What can I do? How can I stay in the United States? So Rod, after she graduates from college and she wants to stay in the United States a little bit longer, maybe she wants to work in the United States. What would you tell her? So she can apply for F1 work authorization after she graduates from college. After the end of the program, she would be eligible for a one-year post-completion program called Optional Practical Training. It's a document you can get. It's a card she can get that would authorize her for one year of employment in a field related to her degree. If she graduates with a STEM degree, that's science, technology, engineering, and math, she could renew that card for an additional two years. So that's good to know. So a student who is an F1 status, after they graduate from their college program, they can apply for a one-year work authorization period. And if Mm -hmm. they graduated with a STEM degree, they can get an additional two years that takes them to three years of work authorization. Yep. So now Sandy's like 24, maybe 25 years old. And then, you know, she wants to continue to stay in the United States. Then she'd need to find a, a sponsor, an employer to sponsor her, correct? Well, sure. She she would need to find an employer in order to maintain the OPT. Right, right, you know, that, right. That, of course. Those three years. Of course. But she would have to get either the same employer to sponsor her or a new employer to sponsor her. Their options would be the easiest option for her as an Australian, as we assumed one of her parents or both of her parents had, would be to get sponsored for the, the E3 visa in her own right. Right. It's a little bit more difficult to get an H-1B visa. So mm-hmm. E3 is much uh, easier if you're Australian. So Hopefully we would inform her about her E3 visa options. Yeah. I mean, they could, the nice thing about the E3 is that it's a, it's a great backup option, right? They can, they can pursue H1B, but there's always the E3 as a fallback. So it's a great option for, uh, for Australians. So we've gone through some of the really good options for Sandy, but Mm -hmm. there's one option for Sandy that is not a great option. (laughs) Not, not because, not because it's not legal, not because it's not allowed because it's just personally speaking, a terrible option. Yeah, it's something that it's not a professional opinion. We just wouldn't recommend it. Wouldn't recommend it to her person. <laughs> so so we're not we're not here to give Sandy relationship advice, but Sandy could marry Danny and get a green card through Danny. 
assuming she's still with him through yeah. college. Oh, I mean, come on. They were both wearing <laughs> greaser outfits. They're not going to stay together. <laughs> they made it through a whole uh, senior year of breaking up and getting back together. Of course, they're going to make it. If those two kids can't make it, who can? Who can? I mean, he's the one that she wants. That's what but, she said at the end of the movie. But seriously, seriously, Danny, as, an, a, as a U.S. citizen, I assume he's a U.S. Mm-hmm. citizen, we would assume. be able to, to marry Sandy, <clears throat> sponsor him mm-hmm. for a green card. We've done some marriage-based episodes. Go back, take a listen to them. Take a look. Take a look. Take a listen. The bottom line is that Sandy uh, had some good options. Mm-hmm. She did. She had some good options. So that's our consultation with Sandy. It was fun to meet with her, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. She came like to that. us in her good girl outfit, not the greaser outfit, because she wanted to present <laughs> herself well. But as soon as she left her office, she lit up and she got on her I motorcycle. Lit up. Lit up. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. We've got a special guest. Yeah, we do. I'm excited for this. Okay. Making her second appearance on the podcast, it's Gibney's Client Services Manager and our resident office pop culture aficionado, it's Joanna D. Benedetto. Woo! Hey, Hello. Joanna. Welcome. Joanna. Thank you. Welcome you, back, we should say. You are the first guest to make a second appearance. What's that like? I just can't believe it. I couldn't believe I was asked again, especially for this film we're about to discuss. What an honor. What a privilege. So let's get right <laughs> into it, Joanna. The reason we brought you onto this episode is because we're discussing a movie that we've heard through the grapevine is a all-time favorite of yours. What is your relationship and your personal connection and story to this movie called Grease? Well, it's an interesting one. I couldn't believe after doing my rewatch recently for the episode of the pod, how much this movie really meant to me and growing up. So I think I've always had an affection for the timepiece drama type of TV shows and movies. This was probably my first. And in addition to loving musicals and things like this, this movie just really spoke to me. And my friends and I used to watch this when we were kids. We knew all the songs, all the dances, the hand jive. It just really spoke to us when we were little. And and now in the rewatch, I laugh to myself at how perhaps inappropriate certain parts of this movie were for you know, an eight or nine-year-old kid to be watching. Yes. Potentially. Potentially. Yeah. Holds a big, like Joanna, just like you were saying, Greece holds a big, big place in the hearts of a lot of people. A lot of people love Greece. And I can definitely see an eight, nine-year-old Joanna dancing and singing. That's true. Yes. I was watching the other night with my kids, also perhaps inappropriate. And I was just getting right up there with the hand jive and grease lightning and all the moves and everything. We love it. We love to hear that. And we knew that you'd be the perfect guest to talk about the hot takes and overall takeaways from the movie. So as you remember, Joanna, last time I just threw out a hot take and and we just we just went off. So that's what we're going to do now. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. The first one I'm going to hit you with is this. Okay. So Danny and Sandy, they spent a romantic summer together, right? Where they supposedly fell in love. But when Sandy enrolls at Rydell High School, she had absolutely no idea that the love of her life, Danny, went to that high school. Are you to tell me that the school that Danny went to never came up, not one time in this lovely romance that they had over the summer? What's going on there? Yeah, so from what I, from what I gather is that they were away at the beach for the summer and they don't live at the beach. So Rydell High, I don't know exactly where it takes place, but it's not at the beach because they refer to meeting at the beach as 
being elsewhere. Right. And so, yeah, it, it did strike me as odd that she was so surprised to see him. They never discussed that at all. And she just shows up and I guess through friends finds out, oh, that guy that I was with over the summer also goes to this school. Yeah. Rod, as a as a veteran of summer romances, did you tell all of your summer romantic flings what high school you went to? I'm sure you did, right? It was part of my opening line. Right. I mean, we always always, I I went to Beverly Hills High School. That's what you told them. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I was wondering that actually. As everybody knows, I had never seen the film, and this is the first time I saw it. And I was wondering that myself, like at the beginning, I was just thinking, like, how is it a surprise? It's definitely a surprise to him, right? Because he yes. thinks she's back in Australia. But I was like, wait a minute, she she would be she would be excited to be back here. She would like, you yeah. know, like I that, feel like there'd be. I don't know. It just it seemed strange. This actually that... leads to my second question. Perfect segue, Rod. Because sure, sure. when Sandy found out that she was staying in the US, wouldn't the first thing she would do was to pick up the telephone, which they had in 1958, and call Danny and say, hey, hey, love of my life, I'm staying in America. Joanna, wouldn't you have done that for the love of your high school life? Definitely, definitely. Because even if he, he never said during the summer where he went to high school, they, they must have discussed how far away he lived from where they were. She must and she have must have had an idea of when she was going to go to school, how far away it was from the beach. It just seems to be one of those holes in the plot, a few holes in the plot. And this is definitely one of them. Could She had to have his phone number. It's like they had to call each other to say, like, I'm going to be here at this time. Let's hang out. It, you right. Know? It's, not right. Like they had Insta- I mean, it's not like they had Instagram. Right, right. <laughs> It, it it does make you wonder. I, I I'm curious. Would they have exchanged phone numbers and called each other and talked on the phone, or did they just have an open plan? I'll meet you tomorrow at the beach again. I'll be I'll I'll meet you tomorrow at you know, one all very strange or something like that. I mean, it it I can I can see in the defense of the film, I can see a situation where they see each other sort of catches catch can, sort of a kismet thing, and never had each other's phone numbers. You never maybe she didn't want maybe she didn't want boys calling the house because her parents might not have appreciated it. I'm right. not really sure, but we don't know. You know, we don't know. There are possible explanations the, for it, I think. In the very beginning, when they're at the beach and she's like, I don't want this to be over, and he's like, It's just the beginning, and then it goes into that epic opening song. What is he saying? It's just the beginning. Did he give her the address, his address to write letters? Did they exchange phone numbers? You know, he's saying this is just the beginning of us. And then yeah, that was then, like, then he doesn't seem like he really, he doesn't seem like he meant that at all. Strange, strange plot hole. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing that I didn't understand and it ties into the summer also is that on the first day of high school, we see Danny with the rest of his T-Bird gang members, right? And they seem to be really, really close, really tight. But the first day of school seems to be the first time they've seen each other since the last school year. So the whole summer went by and these like best friends who are in a gang together, they never saw each other one time the whole summer. Not one time. Right. Well, Kaniki said that he was working all summer. He was doing something working and that's how he was going to get his car and then or his hot rod rather. Really cool car he got. But I guess because Danny was at the beach, he wasn't around. I just, I don't know. And I should have checked in with my mom 
before this episode, but I don't know if they spoke on the phone like we did, you know, before social media and Snapchat and Instagram and texting. I definitely called my friends on the phone and talked on the phone, but maybe back then the phone wasn't, maybe it was just for emergencies. It wasn't for chatting. I'll tell you a secret between my junior year and senior year of high school, I worked at a beach club. So I was at the beach working that summer and I saw my friends all the time, all the time, (laughs) hung out with my friends in high school all the time. It was a great summer. That struck me. That was the first thing that struck me actually in the movie is like, huh? Right. Like, right, right. wait a minute. These be- these best they were, had the same jackets. They they, they wore the same jackets. same hair, same combs. Yes. They shared everything. So, but yeah, I, I agree with you, Shai. That was very suspect. Rod, you also brought up something with me last night when we were texting back and forth about something that you saw in the movie that I didn't notice. What was about the sports, right? What was that? Well, sure. So I liked the montage scene where he tries out all the different sports and they, you know, they try him at basketball. Oh, those basketball shorts. Those were some good shorts. They try all sorts of different sports. He's terrible at all of them. And he's very uninterested in doing them. And then the gym teacher asks him, hey, what do you like to do? He's like, I don't know. But there's one sport that like they have a whole song about how he loves swimming. He met her in the ocean. (laughs) Joanna, no. What do you think? Isn't Isn't he right about that? Yeah, he's right about that. But in the song, he's saying he saved her life. And she's like, he was splashing around. That's true. I really look at the way that he conducted all the other sports. I'm not surprised that he was just splashing around. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. even if he was just splashing around to save somebody's life in the ocean, that requires he skill. He he well, I just don't, he believe, I don't believe him yeah. that he saved her life. I think he was exaggerating to look tough in front of his friends. Another yeah. theme of the movie. I agree with you, Joanne. I think you're absolutely right. That that song is sort of the he said, she said. Right, right. Recount of their summer. And his is very lurid. And he's, you know, very. Yeah. Can't trust Danny heroic. Zuko. Can't and trust Danny Zuko. Her story is yeah, unfortunately. But so, I mean, it may be he cannot swim at all. And he just. I mean, he would be afraid to mess up water. his hair. So I, I'm mm-hmm. not sure. I'm not sure. But another thing that I was thinking about, and this bothered me since I was a kid, when Cha-Cha infiltrated the dance the dance competition why did danny continue to dance with cha-cha like if my dance partner was just dragged away and some random girl was just like i'm dancing with you now i kind of would stop and be like no no you're not my dance partner did danny just care about himself and nobody else well a couple of things i don't think that cha-cha was random he had previously hooked up with her yes and so that's why he was so awkward when he saw her again and then I think he was just, he wanted to win the national dance off. I think he was pretty selfish and obviously he was really into dancing and singing. Yeah. Yes, I think as he, as all greasers are. Yeah. I think it was, <laughs> it was a low moral point for him. And in a movie filled with them. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't even care. He just won the trophy. He didn't care. Right. And he was on TV and all of that. Yeah. This greaser gang, right? They call themselves the T-Birds. Their whole persona is that they're into cars. They love cars. They drive cars, right? But throughout the movie, between the five of these guys, they have one car that Kaniki buys and it's a complete jalopy. And it's not it's not made into a nice car at the end of the until the end of the movie. How can you be a gang that's whole purpose is related around cars if you have one jalopy amongst the five of you? Anybody? Anybody? Yes. Danny has a car. He's got that red car when he attacks yeah. Sandy at the end at the drive in. That's right. They're, they're in Danny's car. He's, he's got that red that red convertible. Okay. Okay. He's so got a car too. He does okay, have so a car. It doesn't factor a lot into the movie, but he does have a car. And I think he's got it in the beginning of the movie too. You wouldn't have hung out with these guys. Would you have Joanna? 
I don't want to say, but probably not. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> I don't want to seem shallow. <laughs> That's also, okay. remember, remember, if he had bought a nicer car, then you lose the Grease Lightning number. That's right. That whole that whole storyline of having to way to way to way to think about the script, Rod. Good job. Mm-hmm. So this is the biggest takeaway for me and the biggest problem with the movie that hasn't aged well at all. Danny Zuko spends the entire movie disrespecting Sandy. He's rude to her. He's arrogant. He doesn't treat her well. And yet at the end of the movie, it's Sandy who has to change for Danny and Danny doesn't have to change for Sandy. I feel like we've really moved past this and it's just a a sign of like how things have changed. This does not look good, does it? It doesn't. There are a couple points in the movie where Danny shows some vulnerability, which is really sweet. When they first see each other again, when he says, Sandy, and his voice almost cracks. It's so sweet. Then he starts making these cheesy jokes about how, oh, whatever, that wasn't that important to me. But at the end, at that festival, he did show up in the cardigan. So that was the cute thing, is that they both showed up, like, I'm going to change for you. But he showed up in his greaser outfit with a cardigan and yeah, she fully it, yeah. changed her persona. She was smoking. Yeah. She was wearing that awesome outfit and changed her <laughs> she, hair and everything. She had the perm. The, yeah. It was I mean, more it, like an updo. Up, is that known know. as oh, a, yeah, perm? It was a perm? Is it a perm? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, I think it was I, the perm. You're right. You're right. I mean, it was clear he wasn't going to change one bit for her. And then just to see, you know, she's sitting by herself during the drag strip. It just, it was kind of sad at the end. She's like, oh, I know what I need to do. Why did and she then, have to do anything? She was great. She, she was great. She could have yeah. dated her. She I could mean, have I dated think, a real man. That's right. I think. Pa- <laughs> I think. Oh, I think he's I think pa- he's quite flawed, and I think teenage teenagers are flawed. Teenage boys are flawed. Sure. This time Growing period is flawed. flawed. You didn't know me as a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means, but let's just. Get I going. think I do think though at the end at the end I think it's I think it's it's a it's a bad message to give mm-hmm. that like oh if right you just change your stuff completely the boy you like will like you back yeah joanna as a young girl who was influenced by this movie did you feel that you had to change to be accepted by the boy or did that just not even figure is that something that children aren't even paying attention to when they watch this movie yeah exactly i don't think that really stuck with me i didn't right. think i knew that that was something to reject in the moment. And I just don't feel like looking back at how I felt about the film, really what I just loved so much was that last song and how they all danced. And the most bizarre thing in that scene was how the car flew away. It wasn't that she dressed differently. I love that she <laughs> right. put on that cool outfit. It was smoking it was... and they were dancing through that haunted house thing and all those moves they were doing. I just, I love, and everyone was dancing along with them. And they were going to be together forever. That was the takeaway. It wasn't like, oh, she gave up her identity to be with somebody who has been disrespecting her for the past year. Right. At the end of the day, it's just a fun movie, dancing, singing, high school. Right. Watching it now, I can see all of these points, but I back then I didn't look yeah, at it as all of these problems. To see the world the TV, as a, the TV show host is definitely. A, oh, my God. Uh, I think, I think it's really great to be able to watch these movies with the innocent eyes of a child. All these jokes go over your head and you're just mm-hmm. focusing on like the singing and the dancing and the fun and the costumes. And now sure. as adults, we're so jaded. So somebody bless those children because they see the world that that we we <laughs> wish we could go back and see. See, Joanna, you, you saw the movie probably at exactly the right time with exactly the right frame of mind. Right. You know? Right. 
And it yeah, was just we all those songs the, were so catchy and they just stay with you forever. And it, yeah, see, now you know, we talk the about the movie, we're, we're shocked by how much smoking there is in it. I mean, come yeah. on. We're shocked. Like, I mean, we would, that. Like, Joanna, my plan was to have you sing sing some songs, but there's copyright issues with singing on these podcasts. So unfortunately, we can't, we can't. <laughs> my, my, husband, my husband strictly advised me not to. <laughs> next time, next time. <laughs> Well, Joanna, we wish we could have you for the entire podcast, but this is an immigration-related podcast. So, you know, we're going to have you again in the future. Anything you want to plug, anything you want to say before you leave the episode this time? Just want to remind the listeners to download the pod. <laughs> Thank you, Joanna. <laughs> places you listen to podcasts. And- we would love to have you as our marketing um, guru. Thank you so yeah, much. Thanks, we really appreciate that. So, yeah, cool. <laughs> Joanna, as always, it was a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank Thanks you both so much. so much. Take care. Take care. All right. That was really uh, great. Yeah, I love, great ha- I love great having fun. guests. Don't you love having guests? I do love having guests. Joanna is a delightful guest as well. Because, <clears throat> I mean, I know the listeners really love hearing our voices and hearing our banter, but sometimes it's good to freshen things up, right? Sometimes. Yeah, everyone needs a break. Everyone so. needs a break. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that was Greece. What a movie. Yeah. Great fun. Great fun. Dancing, singing, immigration. I had never seen it before. It's got, yeah, it's got yeah, singing, dancing, immigration. What else? Children driving cars, almost killing people in the streets. Children driving, yeah. (laughs) It's really good stuff. Well, if you have not done so already, again, you know, please subscribe to the podcast. Rate us, review us, give us stars. Rod, where can uh, they find us? So they can find us again. At uh, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Amazon, TuneIn, and etc. And you're going to want to write to us. You're going to want to give us your opinions. You're going to want to, you know, just tell us what you feel. Give us that uh, email address, Rod, where people can uh, email us. That's hasta la visa, H-A-S-T-A-L-A-V-I-S-A at Gibney, G-I-B-N-E-Y dot com. Next month, Rod, what month is next month on the calendar? Next month is December. What happens in December? We have at the end of the month, we've got the holidays. We've got the holidays. So what we love to do on the Hasta La Visa Baby podcast is we love to do a holiday episode. Uh, last year, we talked about what kind of visa Santa Claus might have needed. Um, <laughs> That's right. This year, we're going to we're not doing Rudolph. We're going to talk about what kind of we're going to do a mailbag episode. So we've been collecting emails throughout the year. So many received mm-hmm. so many. And um, we we are going to be collecting those emails, sifting through them, choosing the best ones. And we're going to do an episode dedicated to answering your questions because we love the people and we give the people what they want. Yeah. And the lines are still open. Yeah. So it's really still important. Taking, still taking questions. Right. It's really important that you um, use that hasta la visa at gibney.com email address to get your emails in before it's too late. Yeah. Get them in. We don't yet have a cutoff date. But no. we, there will be one. There will be and one. And you won't know until the next episode yeah. comes out. You could ask us anything, whether it's about immigration, yeah. whether it's about personal grooming, whether it's about anything, a- anything, Rod's motorcycle, my OCD, whatever you want to ask, ask. Right. What kind of washer fluid you should put in your car, whatever, whatever you need, whatever you need. We're here for you. So, um, yeah, yeah join us next time for the holiday mailbag episode. It's going to be a, a holiday treat. And as always, there's only one way to sign off, and that is until next time. Hasta la visa, baby. <laughs>